1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Oak Shape Podcast Season 6 with your host, Dan the Fitness Man. Thank you for tuning in. We are excited to have you. This is the podcast that is dedicated to hard work, disciplined decisions, and year-round training in the pursuit of the best possible version of ourselves. We leverage elk hunting to create a pathway. We understand that time is finite and we cannot squander a second. We must be leaders at our home. We understand that faith is our number one priority. Then family, then fitness, then health, then wealth. Our year-round disciplined decisions help us leave a legacy for our family to follow. You will leave here motivated, inspired, and educated. We bring on a wide variety of guests subject matter experts so that you can tune in get what you need to get and continue on your journey we are blessed to call ourselves elk hunters season six here we go today i'm sitting down with d'angelo he owns hunt wallet i actually met him he came to an elk shape camp in colorado the dude's a stud. He's a beast. He's a total athlete. And he's got a little side hustle he's working on. Y'all know I got a soft spot for side hustlers, especially if it's in the space that I'm in. And, uh, you know, there's plenty of cake for everybody. So I wanted to get him on here, get to know D'Angelo. He's a solid dude. And I wanted to read uh, something that he wrote me after the podcast. So let me get that pulled up for you guys. He said, hey, Dan, sending a quick note to say thank you for yesterday. It was a pleasure chatting with you. One thing that's been bothering me about yesterday was my piss poor answer to your question about life at 34. After thinking about this nonstop over the past 24 hours, here is a better answer. 15 years ago, I thought I knew everything. Today, I realize I barely know anything. What I do know is life and our time on earth is finite. So prioritize what's important and enjoy what's in front of you at the present moment. In order to live multiple lives continually, read and seek growth, Oftentimes, the constant pursuit of growth is rooted in discomfort. Still seek it. Last but not least, be a good human. So this is D'Angelo Wilkinson, and this is the Elk Shape Podcast. Here we go. Thank you for coming out and doing a little pod with me today, man. I appreciate having me on as well. What's good over in Colorado? Uh, It's got a lot of snow falling. I've been falling since about last night. Um... Other than that, that's about it. Just been, you know, working and grinding and getting ready for 
2023 season. Mm-hmm. So, D'Angelo, how old are you, man? I am – I had to think about that. I am 34. I'll be 35 in March. Coming up quick. All right. So how's the mid-30s treating you? Mid-30s, man, that's funny. Um, they're, they're good. Um, obviously, well, not obviously, I got some kids, two little kids, uh, two girls, one three, one one. Um, she actually be one on Sunday. Um, just, you know, trying to figure out, you know, life and well, I figured out life, but uh, I haven't figured out life. I'll take that back. Um, still figuring out a lot of things. Um, but, you know, it's it's pretty cool, you know, starting to hit a stride and, um, you know, finding out, you know, who it is that I want to be and what I want, you know, my legacy to be for the family and things like that. Uh, from a physical standpoint, um, bodies definitely, you know, feel some things. I remember, um, you know, back at the Oak Shape Camp um, of 2021, I think, or in Colorado, um, you talked about how your, your, um, your warmups were longer than your workouts. Well, I'm, I'm slowly approaching that. Um, so, you know, the body's definitely starting, starting to, you know, show its age, but you know, the mind is, is still, is still sharp. Mm, okay, man. So like, what's your like nine to five? Like, what do you do day to day? So nine to five, um, I work for T-Mobile. So I do event planning for our, um, I don't know if you've ever been to an event and you've seen like those pink trucks, um, I do uh, planning and event and community outreach for um, those trucks with T-Mobile. Okay. And then you got a side hustle. We'll talk about that. Um, so, yeah, you did come to 21 Elk Shape Camp, and you were homies with Charlie. Are you still connected with Charlie Pappas? Yep. Uh, known Charlie since we went to CSU together. Um, we actually go out on an annual turkey hunt out in South Dakota. Um, so definitely still, uh, tight with Charlie. That's kind of cool. You guys got an annual deal out of state together. Um, Charlie's one of the good ones. Uh, he, he's pretty low pro these days. I did talk to him maybe a month or two ago just to catch up and hear how he's doing. And one of the fittest, annoyingly fit guys I've ever met in my life. You know what I'm saying? Yep, absolutely. Whenever he says, come on, let's go do a workout, it's definitely a big pit in my gut. Like, oh, shit, what are we about to get into? <laughs> yeah, I've experienced that as well. Um, he's a freak, but also he's pretty centered, knows what he, you know, quite the business guy. And it's, you know, it's cool who you surround yourself with, man. I think it's really important. Yeah, that camp was dope. I remember that 21 camp. Um I remember that particular camp, a couple of highlights stand out to me. And obviously that was a couple of years ago, but like we had a dude puking in the parking lot immediately into the first workout. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah. And it wasn't anything special sauce. It's just, I don't know if he ate right before we were definitely doing the assault bike, which is rude. Um, I remember that, but that group was fun. We did, uh, Colorado was set up. We had No Limits Archery. We had the Bofessional, that whole team there. Phil Mendoza's Archery Shop, No Limits. If you guys are in the Denver area, look it up. Uh, and then we went over to Anchor CrossFit, which is Phil's cousin. That's a sweet little gym. And uh, I love my time in Colorado. It, it's always fun. Um, you guys had a good camp. How has your elk hunting learning curve evolved now that you've had you kind of went through 21 and 22 elk season. You went through our camp. Hopefully we shoved you in the right direction. How'd it go for you? Um, 
definitely sped up the learning curve, uh, taught me some things that I need to evaluate um, as it relates to, you know, hunting partners, um, things that, you know, you need to be focused on prior to getting out into the elk woods. Uh, when you're in the elk woods, you know, things that things to do. Um, so that 21 season, um, I ended up wounding and wounding a bull um, and wasn't able to recover it. So that, you know, that stung. And then the following year, so last year, um, got out. Uh, Steve actually called in a cow for me, and was in, I was impatient, uh, rushed the shot, and ended up hitting a branch. And that was my opportunity um, from the last two, or that was my opportunity for 2022. So um, definitely taught me some more things. Um, I think one of the big things is uh, you know Joel Turner's there at the camp, and um, you know. I, while I believed in the shot process, I didn't fully, you know, um, buy, lean into it. And after 2022, I was like, all right, I got to, you know, sit down. I really need to, to write out this shot process. Um, Cause it's one of those things, you know, I can be, you know, in, in the best shape and, you know, go through the mountains like a gazelle, but um, clearly it's the, the still in the deal with the shot that has hindered me the last two years. So, um, that's where I am now. It's really, you know, ever since I missed that second shot, I um, have started with the process, the shot process and, and getting myself to really hone in on, you know, focusing and being mindful and, and having that closed loop. Yeah. If we went back to those two shots that you had, you know, consecutively year, like consecutive years, you know, Joel always says these things that, I hear at every camp, so I've been around Joel a lot, right? And there's a reason why I bring him to every camp is because, one, he's one of the greatest teachers I've ever witnessed. Whether he's teaching you how to shoot a rifle, a bow, elk vocalizations, and I've actually even butchered an animal with him in, in a camp. We had an animal to butcher and wouldn't you know, he's really good at that and teaching that as well. But one thing he always says about the on the archery side of things is he's like, so what were you thinking? What were you saying? Could you have stopped it? And there's one other one I forget. But like looking back at those shots that you made, like what were you thinking? Were you saying anything? And could you have stopped the shot? So that first, the 2021, um, I was thinking, oh man, this is going to be nice. I'm going to get this on my IG profile. Wife's going to okay. be happy. Um, you know, the usual, you know, the cart before the horse, like we're going to be, we're going to be done by a certain time. We're going to have some elk, back, elk backstraps, all of that stuff. Um, and then last year it was, I can't believe this is happening. Uh, don't mess this up. Everything that I should not have been saying to myself, um, was basically the deal last year and it ended up I messed it up just because I wasn't I wasn't fully present I wasn't mindful um and I rushed rushed the deal all right so going into 23 I don't think you have to mitigate the fitness I've seen you train I've your phys, your physique you're a specimen you're an athlete dude um I vouch for you 100 percent uh don't even know if I could keep up with you you know you're you're a mountain athlete but what do you, how are you going to mitigate the shot process, man? Like, what are you going to do in practice to get your mind game dialed? So I think it starts well before, for me, it starts well before uh, getting out the bows. I have fully owned the mindfulness. So I got the Calm app on my phone 
every morning I'm doing uh, the box breathing, which is basically um, inhale for um, four or five seconds, hold it for four or five, exhale for four or five seconds and hold it for four or five seconds, doing that for about 20 minutes. And that has really helped me to become more present in everyday life. Um, and I've found that it's also helped me when I'm out there with the bow. So um, every time I pick up a bow, it's, um, you know, Joe talks about being dedicated uh, or determined. Um, the first thing I say prior to even drawing the bow back is um, I'm going to shoot a control shot. So, and that just centers me and gets me into my closed loop process that, that Joe talks about. And then um, I haven't been, you know, worrying about where the arrows, where the arrows hitting when I'm practicing. It's really honing in on um, the process and getting that, getting that dialed in. Yeah. So, you guys, if you've not been worked with Joel, and obviously the validity behind his teaching, look at his son, one of the world's best archer. Um, he'll say a lot of times to you, it's none of your business. You know, and what he's referring to is not getting caught up in the aiming process, but being present throughout the shot execution and controlling that break and how slow you go, like controlling the speed limit of how much you pull through. Um, it's interesting stuff, man. I think after doing this camps and I, uh, I know we've touched over 500 people elk-shaped camps in the last, this is year five. And so I've seen a lot of Joel Turner instruction. There are guys out there that can definitely punch a trigger. I've punched the trigger on elk. Probably still killed more elk punching a trigger than not just because I became more determined in 2018. So I haven't had, I mean, I haven't had that many years, you know, with these tools that Joel's given me. So prior to that was an index get rid of the arrow as soon as the pins where it should be that that shot i mean and I, a lot of our shots were really close in idaho man so i mean i got i got away with it a little bit but like i you know i look back at how many elk i've killed and you know there's still quite a few that i, I punched the trigger but all that is to say is understanding like what joel's trying to teach you and the the key words that you said for me was like having something to tell you before you even start to draw your bow to get you into a state of mind where you, you're not just going to go through the motions and let your autonomic system take over and just subconsciously send arrows. Like anyone can just send arrows down range, man. But when you're going and having a purpose behind every shot, I do think that will translate. Now, I don't think any of us are going to have a bull step out and be totally chill, right? Like, oh, this ain't no thing. You know, we're, we're going to have some <clears throat> anxiety, because we know how hard it is to get that shot opportunity. And we're going to have some anxiety to get rid of that arrow because we may not ever get another shot. We don't want to blow it. And this, it's all happening so fast. And, you know, how many times have people listened? Have you shot something and you can't even remember what happened? You black out almost. So that's not fully conscious and aware. And the day you kill something and you have a true controlled shot, a real surprise release and that arrow goes right where you wanted it, where you were looking, it's life-changing because you took control of your shot. Joel always says you can take control of your life. And so it's still powerful, and it doesn't go out of style, which is why we bring them to all these camps, man. Um, I like your plan. I think it's good. Is there anything else you would suggest like in your practice sessions that translate to more realistic, just better hunting practices that you can do in your backyard? Um. Yeah. So. 
Phil Mendoza um, on his YouTube channel. I don't know if it's on the Alpha or his own. He has these uh, little shot scenarios, and it basically has you get in certain positions, whether it's on one knee, on two knees. Um, he'll have you, you know, draw your bow um, at 90 degrees, and then you got to rotate while you're on two knees. I would highly recommend um, you guys that are listening, you know, practice shooting from different positions. Um, that 2021 bull, I was sitting on my butt um, on about a, call it a 18 degree slope angle. And it was, it was tough to draw that, draw that bow back. And then um, with everything else that was going on. So that's, you know, one thing that I would, you know, highly recommend is um, practicing shooting from different positions. Yeah, I've seen some of those videos and definitely drawing your bow while sitting on your butt is just a good thing to practice anyways. I think some folks listening might not even be able to get their bow pulled back when you're sitting down and like they might be overbowed. I've seen a lot of folks at our camps overbowed. And one of the drills that really exposes being overbowed is on that shooting under duress or stress test that we conduct that third shot, your your heart rate's the highest because you've done 90 seconds to 120 seconds worth of legit work and now you got to pull a bow back and hold it at full draw for one minute before you can start your shot process. I've seen guys' bow creeps, cams all over the place. I've seen guys have to let down. And once they let down, they can't even get their own bow, bow pulled back after that. So there's a certain amount of de- like stress you can induce. Um, one thing I've changed is like I don't do a lot of push-up, burpee, and shoot. Because let's be real. When's the last time you did burpees or pushed up and had blood in your shoulders when you're elk hunting? Like, no. But blood's in your legs. Heart's through your chest. Oxygen levels may be low. You might be at elevation. So, you know, it does. It doesn't hurt to shoot with a higher heart rate and with your gear on. And, you know, man, I think those days where you maybe have a little more extra time to shoot and you're feeling confident in your setup um, – try to get yourself in those awkward positions and like like you said um alpha bow hunting youtube channel check him out it's our buddy phil he's such a stud and he's a great archer yeah that's cool well i wanted to talk to you about like hunt wallet so i saw y'all running around at expo hustling so i didn't really get in your guys's way i feel like you guys were doing work but um i did grab him like hey man i want a podcast with you when we get back so here we are um you started hunt wallet you had just started it Probably in 21 at that camp. I just heard about it then. How's it going since then? What is it? Yeah, so we um, we started, so I incorporated back in 2020. Um, the deal with that was um, I was sitting around watching a Randy Newberg video, and um, he was hunting elk in Arizona, and he was hunting some giant elk. And this was probably my second or third year hunting, and I was like, wow, I need to get out to Arizona and hunt some of these giants and hopped on their website, the fishing game website, uh, went through the process of, you know, signing up with a new username, new password, um, ended up getting, putting my application in for the preference point. And I was like 24 hours, it was, which was actually due later that week. Um, and then I realized that I had, you know, multiple logins. I had, you know, multiple states to remember what sort of preference points I had and, you know, all of all of this additional stuff. Um, I went down the path of, you know, putting it in a, in a spreadsheet and I was like, man, there's got to be a better way. Um, spreadsheets are cool, you know, for your nine to five or if you're, you know, a, a big uh, statistic junkie. But um, long story short, I went down the path of creating um, some wireframes and I 
um, approached my co-founders, Matt and Steve, and asked them if they wanted to be a part of, of the journey. And about in 2020, we um, hired an agency and started developing things. And around the time of that elk shape camp, we had had a beta, we had a beta product on iOS only. Um, and now we are on iOS, Android, and we have um, a, a desktop platform, so a web platform. Um, it's been pretty good, um, at, especially as of the, like the last few months, starting to get a lot more traction. Um, we're doing some done some things behind the scenes, um, bringing on you know some technical people to to help us. None of us, me, Matt, or Steve, are technical people. You know, I was the kid laughing at the computer science kids in college, and now when they ask me to stroke that check, it's you know they're laughing. So, um, so it's it's been a, an incredible journey. Um, it's definitely taught me to just live in the process. <laughs> um, as you know, you know, you you built your um, the discomfort app. Um, and, you know, technical things just don't go um, how they always how you plan on them going. Um, and then yeah. a little bit more about Hunt Wallet. Uh, so what it is, we like to tell people think about like your hunting world in your pocket. So all of your apps and tags are where you intend to apply to um, the dates associated with those. Um, how much it's going to cost you to apply, um, which is the you know a, a real benefit. Um, your preference points, you can keep track of your preference point, no matter the species or the state for the states that have like a point system. Um, and then you move into like the hunt planning. Um, you can build hunts with your buddies. So planning, um, you know, what you're going to bring, what you need to do. So if you got to do the honeydews prior to getting out into the field, if you got to reach out to the wildlife management or do or, you know, put fluids in the truck and things like that. And then you can also build out group gear lists with your buddies um, to make sure that you guys aren't doubling up, nothing's forgotten. Um, and you can also plan your hunts individually if that's, you know, your solo elk hunter um, or hunter. And then um, from there, we have, you know, brochures for all 50 states within there. Um, and then the big thing, another big thing is like your gear locker. So all of your gear that you got in your garage or your basement, you're able to catalog that within the application, um, which makes building those gear lists super simple, whether it's a gear list for a whitetail hunt or a mule deer hunt or antelope hunt. Um, and then we also have um, what's called your wish list. So um, there's always that new shiny thing that we think is going to make us a better hunter. Um, you can keep track of, you know, what you may want and how much it's going to cost. And that for me has been a game changer because I was typically the guy buying stuff in July, August, and my wife's looking at me like, what the hell's wrong with you, you know? Um, but now I can, I, you know, budget that across the year um, and, you know, spread those purchases out. Well played. I mean, I've, I say that a lot because I know how true it is. If you can get your gear and like disperse your transactions, that's going to help. Uh, but really, you can get the gear ahead of time and test it, vet it, and understand it. I hate seeing guys open up packaging or something in the field at the trailhead, and you're—I mean—you're kind of risking it a little bit. Um, and then you know, manufacturers and retailers—they understand that most people are going to make those purchases July and August. So if the demand is high, why lower the price? And you also risk a chance of not getting it, especially in the last few years. We've seen some some serious dents in our supply chain. Uh, I like the idea of that wish list and addressing it throughout the year, um, sprinkling in gear. And the cool thing is, guys, the longer you've been in the game, the less and less stuff you actually have to get 
and more and more of it's like picking one or two things to upgrade to the latest and greatest or lighter, uh, which is really nice to to be in a position to do that. But I certainly don't have a list of all my gear. I would probably benefit from that. Um, the one thing I did do this year is I went to Costco. Actually, I got to say that my wife went to Costco and she bought one of those like, you know, everyone's got those totes that are black and yellow. Yeah. Everybody gets those at Costco's or Home Depot. Well, she bought like this wall mount that holds like 12 of them or something. And so in my filming studio, I have a wall mounted and I got 12 totes and they're all labeled and everything's in their totes. And that to me is going to be a huge time saver for 23 as far as just, okay, I got an antelope tote. I got a whitetail tote. I got quite a few elk totes. I got backcountry gear, backcountry food. I got my elk hunting tote. That's really specific to the calls and game bags and all the things specific to elk. And uh, it's been really helpful because, you know, that takes a lot of time. And, you know, coming back from hunts and if you just take the time to clean your gear and organize it, you'll be dialed for the next year. So I like that feature on your app. And then I'm also guilty that I couldn't log into half the websites. I always have to either reset a password or try 37 passwords or get on the right web browser that has my history of that password, which is a, and then I can't over remember, like, do I have 16 points in Colorado? Like, like this is real life. Like, I don't know if I have 15 or 16 for elk. All I know is I just got one less than what I need to get what I want. Um, same with Utah. I couldn't tell you how many elk points I have. I'd have to look it up. And it's tough to remember all these states. And now I've been applying out West since 2002, 2003. So yeah, man, like I got a lot of skin and the game, <clears throat> it's kind of a hassle. Now, do you guys have any features to remind folks of when these draws are? Yeah. So um, right now it's based on, you know, what you input. So it's super tailored to yourself. So say you put in um, what you input, like the application due date, the draw date and things like that. Um, we'll send you a push notification a week prior to the, to the deadline and then 24 hours prior to the deadline. Um, it's funny, actually, we were tested when we were tested, it was around the time of Elk Shape. Um, I had missed the application deadline the previous year. Um, we had some stuff going on with the kid and um, I was out on a run and I got a push notification saying your application is due in less than 24 hours. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal develop high-quality, technically sound products, and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com um, Still get chills to this day. Um, so it definitely reminds you um, based on the inputs that you that you put in. So with the Elk Shape podcast audience, we want to let you know about all our partner discount codes or calls to action. Save you some loot, get you some good gear. Kafaru, we finally have a discount code. 
elk shape 15 any purchase except for shelters i run the hoodlum jake runs the hoodlum get yourself the duplex light frame or the tactical i have both i would say the tactical is a little bit better for colder weather whereas the skeletonized duplex light works a little bit better in early season like august and september discount code elk shape 15 with the vortex optics discount code you have to go to eurooptic.com enter the discount code elk 10 it'll save 10 percent off any vortex glass we also have a vortex wear discount code 20 percent off all vortex wear for your scouting date night or workout gear enter the discount code elk shape and it'll get you 20 percent off onyx elite membership enter the discount code elk shape it'll take 20 percent off you will get the elite membership all 50 states plus access to the digital publication from hunting full you'll also get a hunt reminder membership included as well as top rut and other perks onyx has been in the game the longest take advantage next is numa outdoors that's the hunting clothing we wear in the backcountry into the discount code ElkShape20 to save 20% off. MagView, this is the digiscoping solution made easy. The discount code is ElkShape. It'll take 10% off. Get the A1 and the B1. Definitely for your spotter and your vinyl. It pairs nicely and uh, it's just a little magnet strip on the back of your phone. You don't have to have a silly phone case. Wilderness Athlete, new discount code for 2023. It is ElkShape23. That'll knock 20% off. Look for the ElkShape stack or the September stack. And ladies, the Mrs. ElkShape stack as well. Black Ovis is where I get my gear. The discount code is ElkShape. It'll take 10% off. Fast and free shipping and the best customer customer service. Black Rifle Coffee Company, whether you want to become a member and have the subscription to where coffee is delivered to your door in the cadence that you prefer, or you want some BRCC swag, coffee mugs, and even RTDs now, enter the discount code ElkShape, save 15% off anything at BlackRifleCoffee.com. Fatty Meat Sticks, a great, healthy, non-GMO, crappy, salty, no, this is the best tasting meat stick on planet Earth, discount code ElkHunter, gets you a little 5-10% to 10% off depending on what you buy, check out Fatty Meat Sticks, Sheep Feet, Orthotics for your feet, discount code ElkShape, take 10% off your sheep feet. I have two pairs. I always have a pair in my boots and my workout shoes. I have high arches. That really helps. At first, I was a naysayer. Now, I'm a believer. Sheet Feet works really well for me. Could work really well for you. Put it in your boot. The Elk Collective, the number one digital elk hunting resource. You want to get going on elk hunting, you can practice and learn from others. So instead of listening to one person preach about how to elk hunt, it's an army of subject matter experts teaching their ways of hunting elk. Discount code ElkShape Podcast, all one word. We'll get you a discount to theelkcollective.com. Tags are hard to come by, man, right? Like, if you grow through some social media stuff long enough, you're going to see, like, there's some salty hunters out there who've had it all to themselves for years, and all these new onset hunters like yourself, you guys are getting in the way of what we had all to ourselves, and it's hard to get tags and stuff. So can you really afford to miss a deadline? Not anymore. Like, you can't miss – you miss a preference point. And then also you're chasing a moving target, right? Like for years, D'Angelo, you buy, you put in for Wyoming, you don't draw, you got yourself a point automatically. Well, my homeboy, Dirk Durham, who you know, he didn't realize that they changed it just a couple years ago. So last year he puts in for Wyoming, doesn't get it. He's like, oh, I got my point. He goes to put in just a couple weeks ago. He didn't have a point from last year. And he... He calls Wyoming and tried to like give him his sob story, and they're like, "They're sorry, there's nothing we can do," and he realized that. But Dirk missed. Out. Sorry to throw Dirk under the bus, but I mean, it, he's a busy dude. He missed out on a preference point for Wyoming because he didn't, you know, he put in the draw, missed it, and you have to buy your point somewhere between like August first and October thirty first. Don't quote me, fact checkers, but something like that. And dude, summer's busy. Who's thinking about buying a preference point for the following year when it's summer and you're trying to, like, get everything dialed? So, yeah, man, like, this is a cool tool. And, I, by the way, 
I welcome all new hunters, man. Um, in fact, how do I say this without being your success will not get in the way of my success, D'Angelo. You would have to train and shoot your bow and scout and have elk knowledge a lot to be to get yourself to a point where I was worried about you getting in my way. Also, my personality is that there's enough elk cake for everyone to eat, man. There's there's certain amount of tags, certain amount of elk that the biologist said we could kill. Like they already did the survey. This is what's available. Uh, and so it's really not a it's not a competitive thing. It's not a it, it could be way cooler if we we're all a little bit more united, which I'm trying to bring up on every episode this year on this podcast that I don't like that whole mindset of like flicking a nose, thumbing a nose at new onset hunters or not wanting to recruit more hunters. I think more hunters is great. I do understand we'll have to pivot on a limited resource. Have you experienced any um, any of that as a newer hunter coming into the game at all from like maybe OGs, OGs older than me or anybody just kind of maybe salty, stingy a little? And, and, and rightfully so. Like, dude, hunting's precious, right? Mm-hmm. So I see both sides, but I just really like the idea of um, – just outworking the competition and, but what's your thoughts, man? Yeah. Um, since I've been in the hunting, I have not experienced that. You know, I think if, since I've come in with the mindset of, you know, not just showing up and saying, um, you know, what do I need to do? Um, as opposed to, you know, showing up and, you know, showing that I put in work, showing that I'm knowledgeable, knowledgeable about things. People have been super receptive and open and have uh, welcomed me with open arms. Um, and I, you know, obviously I think we need that um, as, as hunters, you know, hunting is conservation and new hunters mean new, new apps and applications and tag sales, which, you know, go towards conservation. So I absolutely, I, I believe that we need new hunters for, um, the sport for conservation, um, from a business perspective, you know, new hunters for us is a a great thing. Um, so I, I haven't experienced it. I believe that new hunters are great. And then the other thing is like, I, you know, I talked to you about, you know, opportunities where we were, it was, you know, it's almost like, um, the orange army come, um, come muzzleload season. So, um, you know, there's people on top of people sometimes, and we still had opportunities. There's plenty of elk to go around. There's plenty of elk to be killed. Um, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit frustrating, but I, I, it's not going to diminish my, I don't think it will diminish my opportunities um, when I'm in the elk woods. I am yeah, more, I, I am more, um, I am more cautious about myself than other people. I like that, man. And I do understand that as the newer hunting folks get into the game, some could look at a hunting celebrity social media platforms and be like, that looks awesome. I want to do that. And then after a few, they like look and say, well, that guy gets a bull every year or five or whatever they get. I want to do that too, you know? And so I understand the sentiment of, you know, the illusion of the social media, the influencer making it look, I think elk hunting is a great equalizer. The mountain doesn't care how old D'Angelo is or how fast you can run a mile or how quick you can ruck. 
Mother Nature don't care. She don't discriminate how rich or poor you are, old or young. And so I do like the equalizer, especially public land. Um, but it is harder and harder to draw tags if you're expecting to hunt a bull elk every year. But what about these new hunters, guys listening and gals? Like, ain't no shame in your game if your first elk harvested is like maybe a cow where it's legal or or a spike elk where it's legal, like not in Colorado over over the counter. Spikes are not a part of the deal. You just got to have four four points on one side, including a brow tine, right? Correct. Yeah. So yeah. either it has to be a five inch brow tine or, or um, five inch brow tine or more or four points on each side. Yeah, and who's got a tape measure when it's happening? So it's like you got to err on the side of black and white. Uh, and there's plenty of opportunity in the states out west to like, you know, don't use an excuse that you can't get an elk tag. There are plenty of over-the-counter options where you can hunt spikes and cows in a trophy unit. Like in Utah, my home state, there's definitely a lot of like B-tag situations like in Montana where or a shoulder season or whatever where you can go out and harvest a cow. And that's really good to go go kill something. Break it down, pack it out, butcher it yourself, like fully go through all the steps. And that's that's a great thing. Now, when it comes to allocation of dollars and funds, not everyone's got the same amount of money budgeted for hunting. And there's a real discrepancy in people's income. And there always will be. So I think it's important to understand, like, and we tell people at camps, D'Angelo, like, hey, if you're new to hunting... I don't think your first bow kill is going to be a bull elk on public land. Now, it does happen, and I am so stoked when it does for y'all. But wouldn't it maybe be a good idea to go book a pig hunt on private land in Texas where you're probably doing the landowner a favor, pay a trophy fee or pay a trespass fee or whatever, and get some reps in the red zone on some feral pigs or what have you. Cut your teeth and then bring home some meat. And get some practice there. Um, I don't think there's a lack of opportunity. I think there's plenty of opportunity. I just think you might have to change your perspective. What's been your radar for opportunities as a newer hunter? What what things have you looked into so that you can get more experience and more reps? Um, hunting as many species as possible. Um, hunt, going out, like I mentioned, South Dakota. Going out to South Dakota hunting turkey. Hunting turkey here in Colorado. Um, going out um, hunting antelope. Um, antelope's a month-long season, so it's hot. Um, for me, antelope season definitely honed in on my, sp- helped me hone in my spotting and stalking, um, getting out, you know, chasing mule deer. Um, and then, like you mentioned, um, going out as well and, you know, getting that cow tag um, instead of that bull tag. Yeah, you know, I was of the thought when I first came in, you know, you see that you talk about influencers. Oh, I want to kill a bull. I want to kill a bull. I got to kill a bull. I still want to kill a bull. Um, but now it's to the point where, hey, if it's brown, it's down. Like you um, you got to bring some meat home. You got to cut your teeth. And like you said, get in that red zone. Okay. Uh, well, you live in a great state where you got a lot of species. You guys have abundant black bear populations, probably too many. Um, yeah, you're getting wolves. Don't even get me started. Um, you have wolves. You got antelope, turkey, whitetail, a phenomenal mule deer population. Obviously the most elk out of any state. That's a great state. And the thing I like about Colorado is, man, look to the east. You got Kansas, Nebraska. These are some really good states to extend your opportunities and and get into some different adventure-style hunts. How long a drive is it to get 
to South Dakota for you guys? Um, about five hours. What? Really? Yeah. Dog, it's like 12 hours from my house. I'm in Washington, and it's because Montana's so freaking big. I got to drive all the way across Montana. some good states, too. Yeah, yeah, Idaho, Montana, then South Dakota. Well, we hit north, and then we dropped from North Dakota down. South Dakota's a great state. North Dakota's very stingy um, to non-residents and what have you. And speaking of stingy to non-residents, what's your thoughts on um, us slappies coming to your state as our backup plan um, and all the things that are kind of being proposed there? I've been talking about a lot on this podcast this time of year. I had Santino Castellanos on here with Out of Bounds. I had um, the Hal guys on here talking about it. So you are a resident of Colorado. What's your thoughts on the matter? Man, that's a loaded question. Um, oh, obviously, yeah. it's, a, it's a it's a charged uh, topic. Um, personally, I you know going back to what we just talked about a few minutes ago, um, I I I think we need new hunters. Um, more hunters in the field are not going to diminish my opportunities because um, I'm potentially I'm going to outwork um, the large majority of them. Um, but it's tough. I, I I get it from you know the other people's perspective of you know um, Colorado doesn't treat their residents like other states treat their residents. Um, but then you look at the other side of the coin. You know, if you take away all of those, you take away the over-the-counter tags. Um, what do you do for um, the guides in those small in those small towns? You know, where they depend on you know non-residents coming and hunting in um in their towns from an economic standpoint um do i think something needs to should be done potentially um right. i wouldn't be i wouldn't be opposed to um seeing seeing um a more of a limited quota towards some of those over-the-counter units um i wouldn't be opposed to seeing that at all and maybe you know slightly skewing a little bit more in favor to resident hunters. Um, but I don't think that um, we should, it should be like a 70-30 a split of, um, of non-resident versus, or resident versus non-resident. I think that's a bit too extreme. Um, I'm more of a, and I've taken on this approach after developing an app, you know, do something iterative, do something small, see how, see how that impacts the um, impacts the landscape and then regroup in five years and see what needs to be changed. That's a pretty healthy perspective. Um, it's kind of like open-minded, but also willing to admit like, hey, it is getting pretty popular. You know, I think I, I said this before on, on one of my podcasts, but like, dude, Idaho was your backup state for years. They didn't even sell out of their, you know, their non-resident quota which is like 12,000-something-odd elk tags. Uh, now those babies are gone December 1 before the year even starts, right? And so now you guys are the backup state, which is we've seen what kind of happens there. And then you guys make the southwest corner a, a minimum preference unit. Uh, so at least you got to at least put in for it to get it, even though it may only require zero to one points to get it. That's going to, you know, really push a bottleneck on some of those units. And then the one thing that I think doesn't get talked about enough, I don't understand. And I'm just being real. I don't understand. Yeah, I'm just going to say, I don't understand why you would allow muzzle loaders to come in 
third week or whatever it is in September and hunt alongside bow hunters. Obviously, that one dude got killed two years ago. Obviously, like, like I like my state a little bit. And my state says, okay, two weeks archery season, that's all you get, which sucks, right? I hardly ever hunt my own state archery because it's just, it's two weeks and I'm usually other places. Um, but they have this dedicated muzzleloader season that starts like October 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, somewhere in there. It's like a five-day season. Man, that's sick bugling time no matter where you are out west. And there's no rifle guys in there. You can you can hunt down. You could use a bow during that if you wanted to. But, like, I don't understand the intentionality behind bringing a muzzleloader in the third week in September when you have a season for archery that is September 2nd through September 30th. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts as a – you get to actually have an opinion because you're the dude paying taxes in the state. Do you uh, – what's that like having muzzies come in? Um, it's definitely a uh, – it's frustrating, no lie, not going to even lie. Um, that weekend that I had my – that uh, of last season that I had that shot on that cow – we were out there muzzle loader season and you just hear gunshots all around you. Um, it's hard enough, you know, trying to figure out, you know, where the elk are, where the animal, where the animals are, um, how you're going to get to them. You know, you fight mental fatigue and then all around you, you got, you know, gunshots going on, going on, um, or muzzle loaders going on. Now someone may say, well, well, that happens in, in, in rifle season. Um, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not rifle season, it's actually archery season. So, um, you know, it, it is frustrating. Um, I don't know the why behind why it's even, it even coincides with archery season. Because um, to your point, it definitely, you know, the elk are still bugling sh- sh- first rifle season here in Colorado, which is like that second, second week of October. So um, there's definitely elk still bugling and rutting activity um, in October. I agree, and I and I got mad love for the smoke pole dudes, like especially in states that like like New Mexico, kind of like finally realized, wow, we should probably not allow all these cool things on muzzies. It's the success rates are too high. So I really like the old. I'm not saying flintlock, but I'm just saying like a muzzle loader, open sight. You know, give them some special time for sure because they are like very limited on how far they can shoot. And they deserve some bugling action. I'm just not sure about that overlap. And I'm wondering how other bow hunters feel that hunt Colorado regularly. I certainly don't. So I guess I don't have a say. It's just, it strikes me as odd and it could be really frustrating because bows don't really make sounds and, you know, smoke poles do. And so I don't know if there's a way to like serve both and get everybody like, Maybe you have to shorten the archery season. I'd hate to say that out loud, but maybe the archery season closes the 25th. And it opens for Muzzy September 26th. And now maybe more guys are willing to pick up a Muzzy to have those primo five days with that shorter range weapon. I'm not sure. I just don't really like the overlap. Um, And I'm surprised they haven't changed it since that one thing happened where the dude, the young dude got killed um, from some guy who thought he was a bull or something. I don't even know the whole story, but um, yeah, Colorado's tricky, dude. Like it's a tricky state. Um, when you've hunted it in the last two years, um, what, how have you prioritized tackling Colorado? Are you weekend warring it and then waiting for your vacation to kick in, quote unquote, peak rut? 
is it like, no, dude, you got to get to those elk. They're above Timberline opener, and they're going to be dropping down to 8,000 feet on private after the first week. Um, like, I know a little bit, a little to be dangerous in Colorado, like as far as the elk behavior goes, but like, like what's your approach? Um, my approach, since I, you know, don't have the preference points built up is, and most of my hunts are OTC, it's really uh weekend warrior it. So um, I'm a huge proponent of opening weekend. The elk are not privy to, you know, Doug Flutie's out in the woods um, and they are still in their elky behavior. Um, and I have had more encounters on opening weekend um, than any other weekend. So um, for me, opening weekend and then really when I can get out, um, you know, long weekend. So Friday through Sunday or Friday through Monday, um, I haven't really, you know, cut my teeth on getting out um, for an entire week. Um, and, you know, part of that is really just I want to utilize that time for a you know, a, a preference point hunt in, in Colorado. Now I know, you know, the, the converse of that is, you know, those week long hunts, you know, you're cutting your teeth more, you're getting more opportunity, getting more exposure and you're, you know, shortening that learning curve, but that's just how I've kind of approached it. So I see. So you, you draw something with preference points, you're going to probably pull more vacation time out than just, um, but I mean, I've said this before, I'll say it again. There ain't nothing wrong with spread, like if you got a 28 day season, like you do in Colorado, sometimes it's like better from a mindset standpoint to just burn Friday, Monday days for your paid time off and just get it, dude. Four days, like full assault, kick your own butt, wear out the elk, wear yourself out, come home, work Tuesday through Thursday, lick your wounds. I promise you every day. You'll get your work done. You'll see your family, but you'll be in the back just obsessing over every move you're going to make when you get to go back out. And sometimes that really elicits some incredible effort and some incredible like zero squandering of time and a real idea. Because like sometimes when you got like extended 10 day hunt, you might be like, yeah, dude. We, we deserve a nap. Let's take a nap or let's sleep in this morning a little or let's hike out a little early tonight towards the truck. We'll, we'll get it right after it tomorrow. Whereas, man, you don't have much time. It kind of like really forces you. Now, obviously, if you're a non-resident, you, you can't do that, right? Like you're there. It's a long drive. But for you resident Colorado folks, that could be the way to go wherever state you're in. You know what I mean? It's just hit it hard three and four day weekends and uh, – come back at it have you ever is that kind of what you're doing exactly yeah that's exactly what i'm doing um really yeah i i have not on any of my hunts to date the longest i've been out is probably four days um but i do know once i get that once i do draw that um draw an elk tag with preference points here i'll definitely get out for get out and for like seven to 10 days and just, and go hard. When does your guys's brochure generally come out? It dropped today. It's in the hunt. Dude. Yeah, we got it in the hunt wallet app, everything. So yes. Let's chat, dude. So is the, did they take away any more units for OTC? Admittedly, I have not looked in, I have not looked, I have not read the brochure yet. Um, okay. So I'm not sure there. You're not helping me out, man. I'm going to have to look it up while we're talking. I doubt they did. I bet it's probably the same from last year, but I know there's some things um, changing. Uh, well, let's talk about Colorado's structure a little bit. 
um, just because I'm hoping you know a little bit more. So the way I, I understand it, correct me when I'm wrong, because I will be, but basically you got this over-the-counter type archery hunt, and then you have preference points to get into Colorado. And, you know, some units in the Southwest are, are like minimum points. So basically you used to buy the tag over-the-counter and you could hunt certain number of units. It was high. It was like 70-something. I, I don't know the number. It was like you can go anywhere almost across the western slope. It's over-the-counter. Not anymore. So, like, that, that number's gone down a few because the southwest area is now you got to pay to play a little bit, put burn some points to get into it. Not much, zero to one, but you got to put your you got to put your name in the hat. And you got your archery season, which is now, I believe, the 2nd through the 30th, and I haven't looked at the brochure today, so I can't – don't quote me, but for years, Colorado used to open, like, I think the last Saturday in August – so you'd really get some cool, exciting opening action, like late August style hunts. That's done with. And then you have that muzzy come in, I think the third week. You'll have to tell me what, what day exactly-ish. And then you have first, second, third, and fourth rifle. I would assume the first rifle is the one everyone would want. Absolutely. I mean, you get. I've had that um, a couple years ago, and you get bulls just still screaming. Elk are still super vocal. Um Hit or miss on the weather. Um, I've been out when it's, you know, in a full-on blizzard, and I've been out when it's 65 degrees. Um, but that's the one that people, for they would for sure want. And um, one of the um, one of the things um, within the structure missed was they have the limited quota. Um, so, which is basically you're over, to, they're kind of over the counter, but they're not. So, um, the limited quota basically is within a given unit, they'll put out um, if the guys didn't draw their tag, if they, based on the quota, if people didn't draw their tag, non-resident or resident, they have a quota. Um, and then that quota is um, basically up for grabs um, for non-residents and residents alike. Um, and they have some units that are limited quota units um, within that, that whole structure that you um, so eloquently described. Okay. And one thing to consider is that Colorado does do the secondary draw after the first one. And so some tags get turned back in or maybe a limited quota didn't sell out. And that's really your chance to scoop up some tags. You got to be jump on that. I've never pulled a secondary tag. I've definitely put in before. That's something that you're going to have to go to hunt and full or something or use hunt wallet or, you know, whatever to, 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 to dive into that. But you need to be aware. But Colorado's tricky, man. I know for a fact there are some units that are like over-the-counter elk, uh, but then it's like limited quota first-season rifle, but then it's like over-the-counter second-season, third-season. And so, like, you almost have to, like, go to the website and say, hey, send me an actual brochure. Like, I need to flip through this thing or have a good Adobe Reader PDF and be able to just – you got to read the regs, and it's like – I despise the way Colorado's always done their um, unit numbers, you know, when you're putting in. It's like, I I know it makes sense to a lot of Colorado folks, but for guys like me who put it for other states, like, it's the one that's like, I gotta like, I'm always like, how does this one work again? It's like, preference point only or DM dash one. You know, it's, it can be confusing, but I wanted to ask you, man, like, since you are a weekend warrior and you share the mountains with non-hunting communities... And Colorado's got a high density of recreational people who are hiking, who are mountain biking. Have you ran into non-hunting folks while hunting? I have. 
um, up where we, up near where we hunt, um, it's outdoor recreationalists all the time. Um, haven't had any adverse experiences. Uh, people are generally curious on what we're hunting. Um, you know, the thing that gets me is when people are out recreating during rifle season and they just unaware. Um, that's that's just brazen to me. Um, but I haven't had any adverse um, experiences with people like the, just the, the recreators. No, that's good. I see you're wearing some Born Primitive. Which one is that? This is the, um, I want to say the quarter zip uh, quiver. Yep. Okay. I got it at the uh, Western Hunt Expo. Love it. Super comfy. Is that the one with the built-in face mask? Um, no. It's got like sure? the, the, the scuba hood. Okay. Yeah. Legit. Legit stuff. Yeah. I've known of Born Primitive from basically doing CrossFit for years. They stepped into the space, and, and I think that's probably their bread and butter is workout gear, um, which is cool. I I understand Aaron Snyder and them are working together to make some stuff. Um, in fact, Jake, my guy who helps me out, he's got a box of it to go through for the Elk Shape Gear channel, and I think he's going to do a video on it or whatever, but I haven't touched and felt any of it yet, so that's cool. I saw you wearing that. I was like, I got to ask him, but yeah, man, basically – for your learning curve right now, we're looking at 23. You want to stroke an elk with a bow. Like that's the bottom line. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Yep. So do you hunt solo at all, or do you have a specific squad? Got a specific squad. Um, and sometimes they can't all get out and then I'll, you know, get, um, I'll cut my teeth by myself. Um, this year I'm actually, I put in for Wyoming um, with another elk elk shape alum from the same class, his name was uh, Daniel Colokia. Um, he's typically out there by himself, and so we put in for Wyoming. Hopefully, you know, we draw something and we can get out and you know uh, get after it. I think it's you know one thing that I'm learning um, is when you hunt with the same group, everybody typically um, you know adopts the same the same tactics and things like that. Um, and when you get outside of your group. Um, you start to learn some other things from, you know, uh, other individuals and just add some more tools to the tool, to the toolbox. That's so well said, man. Um, two things came to mind. One, the thing we don't advertise enough about Oak Shape Camps is the fact that you are networking with several like-minded folks like yourself that you won't necessarily get anywhere else, which is really cool that you are connected with a, a fellow alum. I love hearing that. Number two, the whole hunting with somebody not in your in your intermediate squad is huge. Like at the Elk Collective, when we started that, we were like, let's not have just Dirk, Jason, and Dan present on elk hunting because they have their ways. We need to learn from a multitude of successful elk hunters. They all skin a cat a different way. And how cool would it be, D'Angelo, to like know everybody's playbook and then have almost the problem of damn, I don't know which play to run right now. I got too many good ones to choose from. You know, I, I like that. Um, so when you're vetting a squad, I think finding hunting partners or even a squad like you got is up there with marriage, like finding a spouse that you're not going to be divorced in three years, like that you guys are in it to win it for life. Uh, what are some of the best things about your squad that, that other people should look for? Um, everybody's putting in the work. Um as soon as the season's done, everybody has a vested interest in where we're hunting. Um, everybody's putting in work 
from an e-scouting e perspective. Um, and everybody has that, I mean, in sports, they call it the dog mentality. Everybody's got that dog mentality that when, you know, when you're out there tired and shit hits the fan, like, we just, you know, look at each other and say, we just, we just keep grinding. You got to keep grinding. Um, and got to be persistent and positive, really. That's about it. I like that last one because the positivity thing can affect the entire squad. But who on your squad is delineating, delegating tasks, responsibilities to ensure that, like, who's quarterbacking, man? Uh, typically it's, uh, it's, about, it's probably me. So that's the thing about hunt wallet too. So you can, within those tasks and things like that, you can, uh, you can assign tasks to people within the group. Um, and they get push notifications that a task has been assigned with due dates and stuff like that. So I'll typically, you know, quarterback that, um, like I do, I subscribe to live course and like, I'm the, I'm the e-scouting guru of the group. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm the one who's delegating. Yeah, so there's always the one dude who actually knows how to e-scout and that ends up doing everything. And my deal is, if you wanted to hunt with me, I would say you got to take Mark Livesey's course. I think I still got a discount code. I think it's elk shape. I think it saves you some money. But I'd be like, you got to take the course. You got to graduate the course. And then I'm going to use Hunt Wallet, and I'm going to assign you these three portions of a unit. I want a full written hunt plan, as Livesey calls it. In writing, I want to know all the options to park my truck, all the places to night bugle from, the highest points to bugle at night. I want to know three or four night hikes to do that will cover several basins, ridge, ridges that I can night bugle. I want to know, you know, all these things. I want it written so that when we're <laughs> we're day five and smoked and tired and missing our baby's mama and our babies, that we can look at this plan and get new life. Just by looking at what, oh yeah, oh, I remember that. That little feeder creek right there, it had some downfall, it was north facing, that's a great place to bed. I got to hit, you know what I mean? Just the little nugget can like change the game. Now, you could also hunt with a Debbie Downer, which I don't really, I don't know how that would work because I, I've hunted with Jake the last couple of years. He's been my camera guy. Mm -hmm. And I knew after year one, I wasn't able to get rid of him. Like, he puts up with me. I'm very, very intense person by nature and to a, to a fault, right? You should see me elk hunting. It's 10 X worse, man. Like it's like life or death. It's, it's high stakes because I'm so prepared that I don't want to let myself down. I've, I've prepared so well. And, uh, the dude puts up with the fact that I won't wait for him. Like if he wants a snack, he might he might as well start hiking and snacking and have somewhere on his pack to grab that snack because Dan's not stomping. And, um, you know, he puts up with, like, we'll eat dinner at night, and we've had a great day of elk hunting. And I'm like, yo, bro, I got to go ride my dirt bike, my four-wheeler. I got to go get in the truck. I got to go check out this one spot. I just want to figure out how to get there for the morning, and I don't want to be late. So I'm going to take the time tonight with headlight, headlights and just figure out how to get over there. You know what I mean? Because some national forests are just confusing. And I'll do that. Like I did that in New Mexico this year where we finished dinner. We had a long day. And I know that I want to hunt this one area, but I cannot for the life of me figure out even on, on, on X, like how to get over there proper or if this road dead ends. And so I'll just go for a drive. I might not even night bugle. I'm just trying to figure out logistics, man, so that 
four hours later when we get back and we take a quick nap at night that we're ready to go and we're not going to be late. You know what I'm saying? So absolutely, he doesn't complain. And I think that's the one thing I've enjoyed about having him around is he's not the world's greatest elk hunter. He's not, he's not even, he doesn't even care that much. He just loves being out there and he loves trying hard. And I think he loves hard work, which is why we've gotten along so well. Um, Tell me the dynamics of your group, because I think people really want to bend their ear on this stuff and dig in on what, sh- how do I get the elk squad developed? Mm-hmm. Um, so the dynamic of our group. Um, so since the Livese course, you know, I'm I kind of, I'm the one who kind of puts the the plan plan together. Um, my buddy Steve, he's the most you know positive, most you know upbeat one, no matter what. And he's also one of the Elk Shape alum. Um, and, and, you know, Matt is like the strategic, he's the strategic guy. Um, and he can go for, go for miles, um, little, little guy and can just move through the mountains, like nobody's business. Um, and I, and I think, you know, between us three, you know, you got that positive person, you got that person that's going to, um, that just doesn't get, doesn't seem like he gets tired. Um, at least his his body, his face looks like he's a 75 year old cowboy by the time we're we're done with the weekend. I'm sure he'll <laughs> listen to this. Um, and then you know me just having you know having the plan and um, you know knowing a lot about elk. Um, I think that sort of rounds off the group. Um, and then from a calling perspective, I am I'm definitely the best caller in the group. And they listen to this, they'll have to su- submit and you know um, say that that's true. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Yeah. And I'm talking to them right now. Like being the best caller is actually not that cool. No, it's because not. your ass is calling all the time. Yep. And when you finally get a crack to be the call, like to be the shooter, you know, y'all need y'all owe it to D'Angelo. Step your game up. Take the diet. Go to go to wherever. Go to Phelps.com and order all the diaphragms. And figure out which one you can make the best sound with, which one has the tightest pressure, the cleanest sound. Trim the tape around with the scissors. Get it to fit your palate. Leave it in your truck. Leave the tube. Practice for a month with no tube. Going up and down the scales. Getting the calf sounds, the cow sounds, the location bugle, the grunts and chuckles if you need to, the challenge bugle, the bull calling cow. Like, understand the sounds understand why elk make those sounds when they make those sounds be a student help your boy out so that he can actually be shooter this year i'm calling y'all out that's awesome man my dad has dad i love you to death but i the only elk you ever called in for me was my first bull in 2001 and you called it in with a cow call that you just opened out of a package for and it came running in and i shot it with a rifle after that he owes me a, um, a baker's dozen bulls. I've called in for him, and he's killed with a bow because I'm the only one that had practiced to make sounds. And just he needs to come to a camp because the way he the way he tries to call is he tries to make eo and he like moves his lips and stuff. And I've tried to like show him, but he's not. He's just not going to practice. And my dad, by nature, is way way cooler than I am. Just the dude I want to be like, man. He's so chill, so easygoing, and. Um, you know, where'd you get your hard charging from? My mom. She's freaking my mom, dude. She's a pistol. She's five foot one. She's why I'm short. My dad's almost six foot. My mom's five one. And my mom's a pistol and a hot one. And just like 
just be careful. Don't, you know, and, uh, she's intense and I love it. I love that about my mom, but yeah, no, my dad and I are, are have been hunting partners for years. We haven't hunted together much the last couple, but he's getting older and every year I'm begging him to get a rifle tag. I'm just like, dude, hang up the archery game. He won't do it. He loves bows. So I like take the off season in the summer and I put up tree stands for him so that he can at least like effectively hunt elk all day without physically killing himself. But he does get after it and he's bone on bone in his knees. He's had a total hip on one. And I just want to be as tough as him when I'm in my mid sixties, like my dad, is your dad still around? My dad is still around. And it's funny talking about hunting. I'm, um, I got into hunting um, in Colorado without, um, you know, the influence of my, my father, he definitely took us um, fishing. I'm originally from Las Vegas. So we branch out and go, fishing and stuff. But um, one thing that I'm trying to get organized this year is I got a little brother playing basketball down at LSU and I got family from LSU with a bunch of land and my family down there hunts. So I'm trying to organize um, a hunt with my dad on the family property, like where his dad grew up and everything like that. So trying to get that organized. I think you got to do that, man. How's your dad? My dad is, they had me young. He is 53. He's 53. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm not a young dad. I'm like 41 with a six-year-old boy just trying to work out and stay healthy so I can take his son hunting someday. And you got to wrestle him. Yeah, dude. So I'll tell you what's not good for my health is going to his wrestling practice. I mean, he hasn't had a match yet, but just watching some other kid ragdoll your boy around and him crying a little bit, getting beat up, I love it. It makes them tougher, but it's tough to watch, man. It's hard. I bet. I bet. So you have two girls? Two girls, yep. What's their names, man? Uh, the oldest is Nora Jo. The youngest is Willa. Willa is going to get whatever she wants, man. Oh, she already does. Child is, the child gets whatever she wants when she wants it. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting. I, I grew up with two brothers, um, having grown up around girls. And, you know, girls, you got a girl. Girls are just, they're just different. Um, definitely softened me up a little bit more. Um, got a different approach and different, uh, outlook on life. Uh, that's for sure. But I, I want them out with me hunting at some point. They both love being outside. Nora Joe loves being in the mountains. So that's awesome. Yeah, man. Um, are you going to do, so I just did a podcast earlier today with, um, Brandon Waddell. He owns and operates that mountain archery fest. Um, and they do one in Colorado. Um, are you doing any tax or mountain archery fest or other 3D shoots this year? So we're going to do the uh, Western Hunt Fest. Um, with uh, yes. They do that up in uh, Bailey. Um, we, we were a part of that last year. We're going to go back up there. Um, definitely a small, intimate group, um, a bunch of Western hunters. And, you know, they, they did it really well. Uh, spoke to I spoke to Brian um, last year at the International Sportsman's Expo. We haven't discussed if we're going to um, be a part of that, but I do want to go and do a tech. I think I will be gone, though, for our anniversary. So I got to do that. <laughs> How long have you guys been married or what are you celebrating? Uh, we've, it'll be 10 years this year. That's a big one. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess we'll, I want to finish with this on the podcast because this is what we do is like unsolicited marital advice for a dude who's fairly new to hunting, but like been married way before you got into hunting. How has your wife perceived 
you being gone for hunting and dedicating a lot of time, starting a business in the industry slash um, what are some best practices so that she appreciates what you're doing? For sure. Um, the perceiving being in the industry, she's all about it. Um, she's big on, you know, knowing what you eat, the ingredients on everything. So um, when I brought my first animal home and we pretty much butchered it and her parents and um, her dad has a big garage in the back of the house, like she is like fully bought into to that. Um, being gone, it's definitely hard and it got harder with the second child. Um, but, you know, she goes over into her parents and things like that. I would say, you know, just being, you know, to, to combat that is when you're not out in the woods, um, when you are at home is being present, um, be present, um, be intentional with, you know, how you help, um, you know, listen to the things that, um, that she's saying, that things that she wants to do, um, even when you don't want to do them, you know, you put on that smile on your face and, you know, you go, you go do those things. Cause it is, it's a huge, I mean, I, it's a huge sacrifice. Um, you know, when you're chasing around little ones, you know, for three or four days by yourself when you're used to having uh, your significant other there. Yeah, man, I feel that. You ever seen that meme where it's like a fax machine shoots out this fax and it's on a piece of paper and it shoots out with whatever was faxed, i.e. your wife telling you something, and then it immediately lands in the paper shredder? Have you seen that meme? <laughs> yes, yes. I feel like that when my wife's telling me stuff, man, like listening is so difficult for me as a man it's like i can tune her i can tune her out so easily and i'm working on it dog i'm working on it man but like yeah being fully present and listening and a lot of times that means you gotta like you gotta put your phone down and you gotta like look them in the eyeballs and you gotta turn up your hearing aids and just listen yep easier said than done right absolutely absolutely what's your wife's version of elk hunting meaning she's not She's not into elk hunting, man. She's not out there elk hunting. My wife ain't either. My wife's version is definitely design decor. Yeah, home and garden. HGTV, home and garden TV. Like, dude, she's like, she literally put in flooring in our basement yesterday in, in this bathroom. And she's putting a toilet in there tomorrow. She did all the tile work, grout work. I'll have to help her install the, the glass door. That's about it. Like, that's what she's done. That's her thing, man. So, like, we got to set aside finances for this. I gotta like know what she's doing, act interested, and, and and genuinely be interested, which I am. What's your wife's version of elk hunting? Um, she so we actually went out elk hunting 2018. Um, got her a bow, got her pack, got everything, um, and we haven't been since. Obviously, we had kids um, the last yeah couple of a few years, um, but. I've been in her ear like, hey, I want to get out in the mountain with you. I want to get out in the mountain with you. Um, just being out on the mountain with um, people that you're close to, it's it, it's something that's just, I don't even know how to describe it. It's invaluable. Um, mm -hmm. You know, suffering with, you know, your buddies and stuff like that, but, you know, taking it a step further and suffering with your wife and getting through the mental grind with your wife. Um, she hasn't been back out. I'm like, man, just get a, just get a, a, a doe tag. I just want to be out on the, on the mountain with you hunting. Um, so still trying to get her out there, back out there. Um, but she loves the, you know, same stuff that your wife, Alicia, she loves, um, she loves doing the, um, designing. We actually, um, got a cabin up in Bailey and doing a bunch of renovations and stuff like that. And she's kind of like drug that project along. Um, and I've inserted myself kind of where needed. Good job, dude. That's, that stuff's important. And 
getting the calendar out now, fellers. Getting that calendar out. And I'm not talking about September. I'm talking about June, July, August. And fill that baby up with planned family, making those deposits. It's a thing, man. It's for real. Um, cool. Well, Hunt Wallet, I'm going to leave a link in the show notes for everyone to check out. It's an app. You can get it from the desktop version as well, from the web, or you can go Android or iOS. This is a cool thing. And um, way to get organized. I like my favorite part you said about Hunt Wallet, D'Angelo, was like, getting your squad together and getting on the same page and delineating, delegating tasks and getting everyone working together because you guys are going to have to work together in the mountains if you're going to have success. Absolutely. Cool. All right, guys. Remember, separation is in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one. Nice work, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, super fun. Funny story, um, (laughs) this – if you can uh, get past the the fact that I had a dream about you, uh, so this this last night um, woke <laughs> up in the mid- woke up in the middle of the night, um, had a dream that you picked me up from the airport. We were supposed to go elk hunting together, and uh, we we're riding riding back to your house to go grab some stuff. And out of nowhere, we were having a conversation. You go, man, you're super corporate. <laughs> <And> I was- <laughs> And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, you're just super professional. And so when we got out the rest of that day, we got out to the mountain and everything. I was making it a point to just be somebody I wasn't. And so after that, that day, um, we set up camp and everything, fell asleep. I woke up and you were gone. You're like, man, I can't hunt with you. You're too corporate. <laughs> Dude, I have to have that in the podcast. That's funny. Oh, man. Um, how do you How do you even remember your dreams, man? I'm one of these guys who like, I'm pretty much dead when I'm sleeping. Like I wake up and I don't remember any of my dreams. Do you remember your dreams? Um, if it's towards the tail end of when it's time to wake up, yes. Um, yeah. And it was actually yeah. my daughter had woke up. The three year old woke up talking about she was scared and had to come sleep in our room. So that kind of that's partly why I remembered it. <laughs> You're too corporate, man, dude. No, that's. That's funny. Um, my wife remembers all her dreams. I literally every day I hear about what crazy and she has the, dreams are nuts, right? Like they're just they're insane. And I, I I've had some crazy ones that I've remembered for sure. But no, I'm really stoked to have you on. Here's why I like podcasting. It forces me to sit in this room, look at you in the eyeballs for one hour, and get to know D'Angelo better than I've ever done before. And that's why I continue to do podcasts, not for any other reason other than that. I get to literally get to know some incredible people. So thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it, man.